0: Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, Lizzie. Jinkies! I mean, hi! <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> oh my god. First Halloween episode. Let's freaking go. Let's go! Favorite month of the year. I'm so pumped. This is our first October on the pod, since we're fairly new still, And uh, I've just been saving so many, like, uh, things I want to talk about for this month.
1: It's been really hard to choose the movies, but I think we did a good job. We'll have five Mondays to release new Halloween episodes.
0: Yes, yes. So this is one of many that you'll be hearing this month. Yes. And a classic in its own right. (laughs) Never in my life have I been this particularly excited to discuss a film with you today.
1: This is the one.
0: I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) This is the one for me. Before we jump too much into the lore (laughs) of Scooby-Doo, we just want to take a quick second to thank all of you who are tuning in. If you want to support us further, you can check out our Patreon. We have a bunch of really cool stuff on there. Um, There's a lot of different tiers for you to join, so you get like customizable stuff. But if you don't feel like joining our Patreon, that's totally fine. Uh, We're just glad that you're on this fever dream with us.
1: I can't believe you pressed play on Scooby Doo. Like good for
0: <laughs> you, listener of our whole catalog. This is the one that I would pick if I was just perusing our list.
1: Honestly, it's like low key a deep cut. You had to be there. You, you know, had to culturally. be there.
0: If you missed it, you missed out. Yeah, you can't go back in time and experience this in yeah. the like in the heyday of of its creation.
1: Fire Festival happened once. Mm. Spooky Island had one voyage. Mm-hmm.
0: And we're here to talk about that. God, what I would give to go to Spooky Island.
1: Spooky Island seems like the number one vacation destination. Oh, yeah. And there was a direct flight from wherever they (laughs) live
0: direct to Spooky
1: Island. But they get
0: off a boat. (gasps) Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm not poking holes here, folks. (laughs) It's not what I've come to do. Um, So, obviously, we're talking about the 2002 fucking smash hit that is Scooby-Doo, the live action movie. Lizzie... Did this movie awaken anything in you?
1: <laughs> okay, Scooby-Doo is such a key, like a cornerstone of my childhood. More specifically, the cartoon show. Like, I used to stay up late. When I would go to my dad's house, I would be able to stay up late. I would watch Cartoon Network, Channel 33, what would be on, either that weird Space Coast, Coast to Coast show or mm. Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And I was a huge fan of Scooby-Doo. It is the only Who Done It for children worth a damn.
0: That's Blue's true. Clues be damned. Blue's Clues was kid shit compared Kids to Scooby-Doo. Shit. There were spooky ookies in there, but you always felt safe. It was a really nice experience. The formula of Scooby-Doo is
1: a perfect formula for me as yeah. a person. Just enough twists and turns, just enough revelation. And then you have our core cast, Some
0: people like procedural dramas such as SVU. I enjoy (laughs) the procedural happenstance (laughs) of a Scooby Doo tale.
1: Absolutely. And every
0: episode was a monster of the week. Absolutely. Lizzie, do you remember the first time you'd seen this film?
1: Oh, God. I mean, it was, to be honest, this wasn't a huge draw for me. Whenever it came out, I was like kind of getting over like the cartoon watching, I think. So, this didn't hit as hard, but watching it back now as a young adult, I was like, "Holy shit!" There is a couple of images, particularly characters in this movie, that they're just in my brain forever. Yeah, they're a part of me. Mm-hmm. And so it was really good to revisit it with an adult's mind. Um,
0: <laughs> <and> that's <laughs> what I have now. I've got to ask you, Lizzie. Did this movie make you feel horny? I'm so now? sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> when you were a child.
1: Oh, oh no! I was repressed. No, like, it didn't make you generally feel generally sexually weird. repressed uh, overall. Mm. It's um. so funny
0: how I assume things that <laughs> happened to me were universal experiences that everyone just like got horny watching this movie. Lee, did you feel any type of way watching this movie?
1: I don't know that I saw it when it came out mm. too, um, though you know i guess like velma what are the characters daphne mm-hmm. sure i'll just, <laughs> Hell I'll just yeah. leave it at that
0: a gentleman
1: <laughs> and a scholar dude uh, daphne and velma
0: that's a that's a duo right there the reason that i mentioned how this movie made me feel was because that was the reason i selected it today i thought that there was like some subtext there there was a lot of sexuality that i felt coming yeah. through that i couldn't place as a kid um, so I chose it thinking that would be it. And that's how it always starts, doesn't it, Lizzie? <laughs> I type in Scooby-Doo gay. And here we are. I have to reconsider my whole childhood.
1: I have to say, no one in that group is straight. No. Maybe Scoob. Scoob mm, is like, he's pan. Pan, yeah. Or asexual. Or both. He, uh, yeah, I think he could. You, you think, I think Scooby-Doo Fox? <laughs> We are going to prison.
0: Lock her up. We've got it on camera. We're going to jail. <laughs> and no, I felt like such a deviant talking to my fiance about this because, like I said, I just assumed everyone took away the same things that I did from this film and I told her I was doing Scooby-Doo. And I was like, you know, because it's so horny. And she looked at me
1: <laughs> <laughs> so dirty. Your girlfriend has the taste uh. of someone, even if she thought what... You thought she wouldn't say it.
0: No, she should keep that junk to herself. She is pure as uh, something white. She's quite pure. <laughs> <laughs> pure as a some white. And me, I'm just like, yeah, you ever got a horny... <laughs> <laughs> You're going to jail with me. <laughs> or We're sharing the same prison cell. Uh, uh, so,
1: yeah, uh, <laughs> like I said,
0: I thought this would be a normal episode. Um, So a little bit of background about Scooby-Doo as a franchise. So Scooby-Doo, like I said, is a long running animated franchise uh, created by Hanna-Barbera. And it's had many, many adaptations, probably too many to count. And one of the adaptations, actually, the director of the 2020 Scoob movie, which is an animated movie, and the producer of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which is like, I think the most recent animated series, made the following statement on Instagram. A lot of people were speculating that Velma was having like a bisexual experience with one of the characters on the show named Marcy. And so he took to Instagram and he said this, I've said this before. But Velma in Mystery Incorporated isn't bi. She's gay. <gasps> <laughs>
1: what? what? You have said it before. Yeah, I'm like who who if he says this? Who team? a dinner party person he sat next to at like a coronation dinner? Like
0: uh, he said, we've always planned on Velma acting a little bit out of character while she was dating Shaggy because their relationship was wrong for her and she had an unspoken difficulty with why.
1: Velma dated Shaggy. They would never
0: It's giving Ron Hermione...
1: No, exactly. It's not right. Don't fuck with me.
0: No. That's not a pair. When I read these next couple of lines, it feels like something I would read on a chat forum where people are like, obviously Buffy is gay because she (laughs) kicked Faith in the face once. You know, it's like these... (laughs) theories and rumors, but he goes on to say, there are hints about why in that episode with the mermaid. And if you follow the entire Marcy arc, it seems clear as we could make it 10 years ago. I don't think Marcy and Velma had time to act on their feelings during the main timeline, but post-reset, they are a couple. You cannot like it, but that was our intention.
1: Wait. Wow. Well said. But Velma is too busy. She's too focused on herself, on her career. To, like, have time. And plus, she's not going to flirt with what I'm assuming is, like, a client
0: or, a, or
1: I think it's another uh, detective. Oh, oh.
0: So that's a wow. good fit. Like, a work relationship. <gasps> it's the only way she'd have time.
1: Absolutely. No, the only person that would get her schedule is a, <laughs> <as> a fellow <laughs>
0: investigator. Uh, so when I read that, I felt like I hit the absolute jackpot. Like, Velma is gay canon. <sighs> I knew it in my oh, bones, wow. but I just couldn't figure out why. Yeah. It's just the way she be. She's just like that, I guess. She's just gay in – she exudes gayness. Even as a cartoon, to be gay, like, that's hard to (laughs) 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 –
1: Truly. (laughs) Honestly, I thought Daphne was, like, pulling that way as well. And Fred. Look, God, it's just all of them. Fred is not straight. Fred is gay. We will discuss that
0: more as we comb through this plot, but I completely concur – Um, So a little bit more about this adaptation, the 2002 live action movie. It was actually intended to have a much darker tone and a PG-13 rating. So they were kind of going for the similar vibe as the Brady Bunch movie, Mm. you know, where it's like it's a reboot, but it's satirical and it's tongue in cheek and they're making jokes that children wouldn't understand. Right. Right. So that's what they were going for. So there's a lot more suggestions of that darker tone in like the deleted scenes. And I'll show you a couple of those.
1: Interesting, because I did not find this movie to be dark in the slightest.
0: Yeah, it was super, super light. But some of the jokes do kind of trickle down into the release version. And I'll point those out when we get to them. But um, this film was directed by Raja Gosnell, who was huge in the early 2000s. He directed Never Been Kissed, Big Mama's House. He also was the editor for Pretty Woman, Home Alone, one and two. He directed the third one and was the editor on Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: Wow. We owe a lot to this person. It's funny how these people have such a huge
0: impact on your life and you would have never known they'd existed.
1: I could like sit next to them at the grocery store line and be like, oh, how's your day going? (laughs)
0: Okay, good. I feel like you are required to tell me if you had anything to do with Mrs. (laughs)
1: Doubtfire.
0: Yes. Contractually, (laughs) anyone involved must be fort with it. It's like if you're a cop, you have to tell me. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, It was written by James Gunn, who wrote the 2004 version of Dawn of the Dead, which was directed by Zack Snyder. Huh. He also wrote all of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. That's where I know that name from. Mm -hmm. Got it. And this is not important. This is for me. He was credited with doing additional writing on 13 Ghosts.
1: Wow. (laughs) That needed more writing help for
0: sure. He could only do so much. Yeah. It was flawed from the start. Um, Something interesting about him is that he was married to Jenna Fisher at one point who plays Pam from The Office. Oh, I'm aware of who that is. Just for (laughs) our (laughs) listeners.
1: For y'all. There you go. Freebie. So they wanted it to sound smartass. It is kind of a smartass tone. If anything, Scooby Doo takes that like tongue in cheek, like teenager throwing a line over the shoulder at their mom kind yeah. of tone. But like nothing darker than that to me. It's very zippy, zippy. Yeah. yeah,
0: they don't leave a lot of space for like a laugh track. It's like joke, joke, joke. Over next scene. Mm-hmm. Um. So he was doing an online Q and A on on Twitter. And a user wrote, please make our live action lesbian Velma dreams come true. And he responded saying, I tried. In 2001, Velma was explicitly gay in my initial script. The studio just kept watering it down and watering it down, becoming ambiguous in the version shot, and then nothing in the version released. And finally having a boyfriend in the sequel.
1: How hard is it? How hard is it? Meanwhile, the first episode of Friends, Ross is getting left because his wife's a lesbian. Like, just... Just say the word. We're done.
0: We're over. Let's go. Say it out loud. Say it. Lesbian. Thelma's a lesbian. (laughs) So uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, when asked about the production, said that her character and Linda Cardellini shared an on-screen kiss that did not make the final film. What? Uh, It wasn't just like for fun, she said. (gasps) I think alluding to maybe her work in Cruel Intentions, you know, Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle Gellar- share a kiss but it's like implied like i'm just teaching you how to kiss a boy and it's just for fun right but she said here it wasn't just for fun I, at what point in the movie would that have been i will tell you when when we get to the point oh my where God. it was shot and um i don't think it will come as a surprise <laughs> <laughs> takes a sip of her drink sips tea and i'm fucking i'm swimming through through all this gay subtext when i just thought this movie made me horny in 2012, Matthew Lillard did an Ask Me Anything on Reddit and revealed that the original cut of the film had Fred being revealed as a gay man, and that Freddie Prince Jr. had portrayed him as such throughout the film.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. We see that. <laughs> so you're telling me how... Okay. I'm a little upset. Okay. You sent me a TikTok recently that was... I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's this guy who like, studies fame and musicians, I guess, but he's talking about how... There's, like, this big controversy or this big, like, rift among um, the base face that What's-Her-Name and Haim makes. Estee Heim. yeah. Estee Haim makes this, like, incredible base face. And it's polarizing because it's such an extreme choice. They either – people say, like, because I don't like this face, I therefore don't like Haim. They're not that good. Or they call her, like, a living legend. Mm-hmm. And so, like, taking these big risks puts you in this capacity to either be, like, totally pushed to the side – Or to potentially reach for icon status, Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo could have reached for icon status. Could you imagine if this Scooby-Doo was as gay as the creators wanted it to be? This movie, it would be something that we are all watching all the time. Christmas, New Year's, Mardi Gras, whatever. Mm -hmm. But because they watered it down, it's like, oh, yeah, Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah, I think I watched that when I was like 14 and then never again.
0: Yeah, like it's – as that creator was saying, it's like even worse – to offend no one or try nothing and have people walk out of the film not liking it or not hating it. Right. And I mean, imagine if the Brady Bunch movie, which was hysterical, what if they had to water all of that down? Then it would have just been another episode of the Brady Bunch. Exactly. Forgettable. So I'm really frustrated because it seemed like a lot of people were pulling for just like the gay overt text in the script and in the story And it seemed like the actors really kept their motivations um, in mind when doing it. Sarah Michelle Gellar said that it had the PG-13 rating when they signed on. But when they locked the cast, they pared it down to a G. This movie is rated G? This movie is rated G.
1: Ugh. That was one of the questions I had written down for you. I was like, is this movie for kids or not? Because it feels like it's set up – to be, like, one of those raunchy 90s, like, teen movies mm-hmm. where people are doing weird shit, making weird jokes, smoking weed. But when you watch it, you're like, this feels like just literally they took a cartoon episode of Scooby-Doo yeah. and made it made it real. Yeah. And Th- nothing they, like, more. just, like,
0: flipped the switch on it. Yeah.
1: And then I'm like, is this really a kid's movie, though? Like, it probably didn't land where it needed to because, like, what I was saying for me, like, I didn't really watch it because it was – a movie for kids and I was like, you know, entering my teens and not really wanting to you know, I wasn't interested in that stuff anymore. But they're casting it with all these people who are like the sex icons of their time. Mm-hmm. So they're they're mixing our signals up. Yeah. Someone at the top fucked up. Is, yeah. Is long story
0: short. I completely agree. I think that they lost their they lost their way a little bit in the ways of like what they were actually aiming to do. And then they had this budget, they had the stars, and they were I think they just fumbled the bag, for lack of a better term. Yeah, someone made the wrong call multiple times. I want to show you this clip from the BTS. It's super, super short. I almost missed it when I was watching it the <laughs> first time, but I think it's very telling. Okay. Okay, so this is a clip of Raja Gosnell, the director, and Linda Cardellini talking about how they've developed these characters.
1: To me, that's the reason to make Scooby-Doo the movie, is is not just to do exactly what they did in the cartoon, but to do something beyond that um, and explore the characters and let them have their character moments and, and sort of see who the real people are.
0: You sort of get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of What the characters might be like and sort of all the things that are alluded to as you get older and as a young adult you realize them might have been hinted at in scooby-doo she's like you know how you all thought velma was a fucking dyke (laughs) turns out she is kids have the best gaydars there are absolutely i always knew something was was up with her all right so shall we get into the plot might as well huh let's go (laughs) Scooby, we're here to solve a mystery. One Warner Brothers Pictures presents. Who's your best buddy? Reggie. That's right. And who's
1: my best buddy in the whole wide world? Ruby Doo. Let's get jinky with it. Scooby Doo. Oh my God.
0: So in case you haven't seen this movie, which I think is highly unlocked, unlikely unlikely
1: oh you've definitely seen it
0: <laughs> in case you haven't seen this movie here's a quick synopsis after a breakup the mystery Inc. gang are individually brought to an island resort to investigate strange goings-on goings-onings let's talk about an amazing cast holy shit holy shit every single person's a gem we got freddie prince jr as fred yeah fucking sarah michelle geller is daphne my heart and soul <laughs> Linda, my (laughs) lifeblood one of god's angels (laughs) linda Cardellini as velma matthew lillard as shaggy and god forgive me i don't remember the voice actor's (laughs) name but he did a great job
1: title character sam (laughs) priorities i was busy learning about the kiss that did happen that was cut where's that footage Oh, I was hoping you found it. It's nowhere on YouTube.
0: People, I would have to waterboard to get that.
1: You're like, I will not rest
0: <laughs> until I see their
1: lips lock. Like Rambo. <laughs> um. Okay. Can I tell you something? Yes. Yeah. So in my high school, my senior year in the homecoming parade, every class had like a float in the homecoming parade. And my senior year, our theme was Scooby-Doo. Can you guess what character I was cast as in the Scooby-Doo homecoming parade?
0: I'm looking at your strawberry red hair. It's got to be Scoob. (laughs) 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 I walked on all fours (laughs) on the gravel road.
1: (laughs) No, one of my homecoming dates was in the cage that was (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Oh my God, so were you Daphne? Yeah, I was Daphne. Yeah. Daphne. Purely by red hair coincidence. Hey. And not by bisexual association, I assure you. Get it how you live it, bitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, I've seen this movie more times than I can count. We had it on DVD. I watched it like every single day. I think it was like seven when it came out. So I was like primed and ready to go. Damn yeah i i know i think every single word to this movie there's like a few movies like she's the man this movie i think liar liar this pen is blue goddamn pen is blue <laughs> that uh, was my first
1: vhs ever yeah we had that on vhs why? too why did I our was a child like- <laughs> and my parents were separated that's like his way of talking about divorce with me anyway
0: yeah sorry back, <laughs> back sorry, on track oh sorry about that um <laughs> So we open on the Mystery Inc. Gang in the middle of a fight with uh, a ghost, a ghoul, a flying fella, a creeper. Yeah, the the behind the scenes was really interesting because the production intentionally set them in the middle of this mm-hmm. act to make you feel like you're just watching another episode mm-hmm. of Scooby Doo. It's like very, like I said, procedural. They're like, oh, they unmask the bad guy, and everybody wipes their hands clean and it has a great day. But they kind of take this turn. So in this scene, we see one of those like off-collar jokes where Daphne is like being held captive by this ghost and she screams for help. And she said, this ghost keeps grabbing my ah," she says. Ah! And it's very clear that the ghost is like grabbing her ass. Yeah. However, we rush right past it. We move right along. I thought it'd be funny if I did my Safan voice for this. Let's go. This scene has everything. <laughs> Talking dogs, skateboarding in a barrel. Pamela Anderson, a bunch of homosexuals, and an old man in a ghost costume. (laughs) Very, very good. It was (laughs) was not good. Uh, So they unmask this guy who's just like a disgruntled janitor, and they move about their lives. Afterwards, Fred takes all the credit for this win, and it's very clear that Velma is no longer happy being in this team. So Velma's upset. Daphne's upset because she thinks she's always getting kidnapped. Fred's upset because he thinks that he's the leader of this team. And so Shaggy and Scooby give them a pep talk. But eventually Velma quits. Then Daphne quits. And then Fred quits. Two years later. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yes. We see Shaggy and Scooby in a van. And they're definitely smoking weed. Dude, the smoke coming off the top. That's
1: when I was like, all right. Like, here's the raunchiness that I didn't see when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But then they just play it off as like a barbecue <laughs> joke. I'm like, "Come on. Yeah, just I
0: know they fucking smoke weed."
1: Dude, is there like a podcast like ours but like subtextually looking for stoner shit? Because I mean, looking back, Shaggy's the biggest stoner you've ever met ever in your life. Yeah, the
0: food that this man eats, he has to be under the influence of drugs.
1: Chocolate eggplant, chocolate eggplant talks to a banana, dog. Hot
0: pepper, like it's, <laughs> no. it's so weird. So they hear the knock at the door, and then we learn that they're being summoned by Emil Amandavarius, who has sought out Scooby and Shaggy to solve a mystery on his island, Spooky Island.
1: Spooky Island. Oh, God. I want to go to Spooky Island for my bachelorette trip.
0: You can't have an island called Spooky Island and then be like, what? A mystery? Like, Come on. I love that line that's like, sorry, man,
1: we don't go to places that have forbidden, spooky, haunted, or scary in the title. <laughs> I'm
0: like, that's, a, that's such a cute line. I I love how big of a pussies that they are because that's exactly <laughs> how I would be. Would just, they just keep getting like wrapped up in this fucking bullshit. So they agree after being tempted with an all-you-can-eat buffet. Hey. Hey.
1: Can't, 420 friendly, baby. I can't
0: shame them for that. So... At the airport, it becomes clear that they're all hired to solve this mystery, all members of the, of the gang. And Velma says at one point that she's been working at NASA, but really says, I'm on a journey of self-discovery.
1: Mm-hmm. She's, she's dating around. She's fucking ladies. She has an OKCupid
0: account. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Would learned- you go on a date with Velma? The, okay. That's a loaded question.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: reason that I always thought Velma was gay was because I saw myself in her. So it wasn't like I'm attracted to Velma. It's like there's a relative thing where I'm just like, oh, I know why you act this way to Freddie, you know, and why Mm -hmm. you're so protective of Daphne and why you're always kind of jealous for no real reason. So I don't think she's my type. I think she's – I wouldn't say I'm like Velma. She's incredibly intelligent and, like, wears skirts. Um, But I always had a thing for Daphne.
1: Yeah, you could have just led with that. It could have been like, no, but me and Daphne could –
0: We have a podcast, Lizzie, and I have a microphone, and I've thought about this a great deal. I'm glad you came so out with that. Would you date Velma?
1: No, i date Daphne.
0: Bitch, I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, my God. Okay, so we've learned that they're all on their separate paths of self-discovery, and Daphne is now a black belt. This doesn't really super matter in the subtextual sense, but I think Daphne's really hot and it makes sense she'd be a black belt. Well, they definitely only threw that
1: in because they cast Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent, because she's an actual black belt. Mm-hmm. Was this, this was way out with Buffy like she was already a huge star at this point.
0: Yeah, she was a huge star because of Buffy and they actually her schedule was pretty insane. She was still filming Buffy at this point. So, her the production of both Buffy and Scooby-Doo worked together. So, she would spend 2 weeks in Los Angeles filming Buffy and then 2 weeks in Australia filming this movie.
1: Australia.
0: Australia, Queensland.
1: They're like, "Wayne and I take them to the end of the world." To shoot this piece of shit, (laughs) write a J
0: movie. It's not like they spend so much time on the beach. Right. Everything does really kind of seem like a set anyways.
1: Wait, they didn't dare build those interior sets
0: in Australia, did they? I don't know that. I don't know. They best, like, there's no reason. They have no reason. It's huge. All their their sets are massive. It's hard to believe that they would take that shit all the way to Australia. Anyway. Any hoozles. So Scooby attempts to get on the plane and drag and it works. <laughs> <laughs> is it drag if it's an animal? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um but we understand very quickly that the gang is is not kosher and they're not planning on working together. Um this seems like the coolest plane ride ever. Everyone's just like yeah. hanging out. There's a bar, am I wrong? I don't know if I remember the bar so much, but like everybody's a teenager. Yeah. And they all look like burnouts. It looks like a great time.
1: I'm telling you, let's go to Spooky Island. Let's fucking Ooh, go. Would you rather mm. spend a weekend at Spooky Island, mm-hmm. All Access, or Jurassic Park? Spooky
0: Island and do a fucking week. Dinosaurs <laughs> can fly. coasters at Spooky Island. No, I'm with you. Oh, I was like, at Jurassic Park, they have a ride where you get eaten by a deer. <laughs> no, Jurassic Park is just a glorified immoral zoo which all zoos are immoral but. I don't even like going to the regular zoo yeah it would just be that on steroids yeah um, we meet Mary Jane who's played by Isla Fisher um, we get another one of those weed jokes where Shaggy says that's like my favorite name
1: <laughs> get I it? thought it was
0: cute because Mary Jane I did not get that as a kid I thought that was very cute I get it now yeah, and she's cute She's so, so cute. She was
1: one of the characters. When I said I had like memories, I was like, oh, yeah, her. Really? She was so cute. She was
0: pretty cute. Yeah. She's
1: giving me like um, Amanda Seyfried from Mamma Mia a little bit.
0: Ah, the hair. Sun kiss. The hair. Yeah. Okay. This is not important to the story, but I have to get it out because I'm confused. She opens, Mary Jane opens up her bag, pulls out a Scooby snack. And Shaggy's like, oh, my God, is that a Scooby Snack? And she's oh, like, right. "She's like, yeah, I just eat them sometimes. I know they're for dogs. And he's like, I love them, too. What? It's S- a dog treat. No. Scooby Snack okay. is named after Scooby-Doo. It implies that Scooby is a brand. Is a brand. So how do you not know who Shaggy
1: is? Okay, because Shaggy is the most underrepresented character in the whole Mystery Incorporated game. No, that's gang. Velma. In the story, sure, but even they like underappreciate Shaggy's role, and one of the things I do like about this movie is that the like Daphne, who is kind of just like the pretty one who's kind of stupid, and Shaggy, who's just kind of the ugly one who's kind of stupid, they get their they get their bag, like they're very pivotal in the gang succeeding in this mission. Mm-hmm. and
0: you know, it's a micro arc and not that important, but it was important to me, you're taking this in the wrong direction, Lizzie. I'm wondering. Was Scooby named after the snack or was a snack named after Scooby?
1: I think it's possible that Scooby was named after the snack.
0: I don't. Wrong answer.
1: <laughs> so then so then, what's your explanation then? I think she's stupid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> then they eventually get to the island, but as they do, we get the Outcast song that was written for this film. This soundtrack slaps. It really do. So good. Every single song is a fucking banger. On the island, they meet um, Mr. Monteverius, who at one point Freddie Prince Jr., who plays Freddie, calls Mr. Mononucleosis. <laughs> um, he is played by Rowan Atkinson, who is Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean, obviously. Yeah, c- I great thought he was casting. great.
1: Great character. Yeah, but
0: from the BTS, like I thought he was just like a fun little yan- lanyap in this film, but the BTS, he seemed like he was having a very difficult time doing this. <laughs> what do you mean? Was, so everyone struggled in their own way working with <laughs> Scooby Doo, and this is kind oh. of like the beginnings of CGI being super prevalent. Yeah. And so sometimes when you see like BTS of like a Marvel movie, they're in like CGI suits. They're talking to someone else in CGI suits. They usually have someone to look at, and or like an object at tennis least
1: balls to, or tennis or balls
0: or green orbs or whatever. This movie, however, didn't incorporate these like green orbs or anything present in the frame for their eyeline. Uh, Matthew Lillard discusses it like when he he and Scooby have like a fist to cuff fight in one of the scenes that they had staged things around the fighting area for him to like take his action. That's where Scooby is. Take his action. That's where Scooby is. So it's like you're playing across fresh air is how they were saying.
1: You know, for knowing that, because, and I'm assuming the purple monsters too were this like same kind of CGI. They just like existed in plain air mm-hmm. and were meant to just like look over there. Yeah. The monster's over there. Uh-huh. But it was, it was pretty good. I was a little impressed by the CGI of this movie and particularly impressed by Matthew Lillard's ability to emote and to interact because. Most of the time he's talking to fucking space. Yeah. (laughs) Thinking about that makes me laugh so hard because (laughs) he is giving his absolute all for this shaggy character. He
0: is such a a talented performer. I have a sweet spot for Matthew Lillard. I don't know how much I've spoken about it on this podcast. I'm teeing you up because I know that to be a fact. You're such a good friend. You're like... Isn't it interesting how good Matthew Lillard is? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Here are seven more things about it. But he is the one primarily acting across all of the CGI characters, especially yeah. Scooby-Doo. Al- almost all of his scenes are across Scooby. And he described that scene that I was mentioning where he's having a, a, mm-hmm. a boxing fight almost with Scooby-Doo as the hardest and most difficult thing he's ever done in his whole life. What? I know.
1: He could have fooled me. Okay, Matthew Lillard is the star of this movie. Absolutely. Leads His in Shaggy, how, how, did he voice the original Shaggy? His lilt is un, uncanny. His uncanny. Shaggy
0: is so, so spot on. There's a clip with him and the voice actor, I'm forgetting their name, who who voiced Scooby and they're on set. And he mentions like, I it takes me a few words every morning. I have like... I have like calibrate and <laughs> scoob <laughs> that I have to say like a bunch of times before I can like do the voice. <laughs> and like the other actors are not expected to do a specific voice. I mean, maybe Velma a little bit and like Daphne and her intonation, but like nothing. Not to, to that, that level. extent. I all the characters did a good job of like creating like that
1: version of their character. It's kind of like Snatch Game. Like you don't have to nail the personalization necessarily but if you don't know how to do it exactly you should make a character out of it and Mm -hmm. i think they all did that however matthew lillard is shaggy he like it's hard to believe that he did not come
0: before the cartoon (laughs) I was really floored when I was watching him. It was pretty incredible. He does – and that's something he does with every single one of his roles, even in 13 Ghosts. Sorry, that movie is (laughs) ass. And he does a great job. And he is the reason I enjoy watching that movie. It's so good. Um, Back to this film, however. Mr. Monteverius believes that someone is casting spells on the students that come to the island on spring break because they come as rowdy college kids but turn into – these like militant good samaritans that are genuinely terrifying all members of the gang except for shaggy and scooby like vow to solve the mystery first and then on the beach velma meets the characters titled voodoo maestro uh, i wish that was not their
1: name is that the guy in the hut yeah he's got the chicken and everything
0: yeah she meets uh daphne meets him as he's preparing to sacrifice an already dead chicken <laughs> And he says, purple is a fall color. It's the middle of May. <laughs> I was like, you better read her. I was like, I want to see you guys be best friends or kiss. Yeah,
1: either way. Yeah. Oh, what a funny, what a throwaway character that I'm glad we come back to him. But like bring him, weave him into the plot a little bit. He's just off on a fucking hut doing like <laughs> magic spells by himself at night, gazing up at the moon.
0: Yeah, give him a little bit of an arc. It's yeah, just a teeny, just a teeny arc. Yeah. Missed uh, opportunity. I think, yeah, they could have really pulled him in a little bit more towards the end. Uh, Scooby gets a call to walk into the dark forest for a bag of hamburgers, and it's a trap set by some ugly-ass monsters. God, these guys look fucking terrible. (laughs) They look like they're serving the alien basketball team from Space
1: Jam. Yes. Specifically the smaller purple guy. Yeah. I was like, there's got to be some, like, there can't be that many people working in CGI at this time in history.
0: Yeah. So gotta be some crossover. there's got to
1: be some crossover, but that's definitely what I was saying. That's a
0: great clock. Later at the Spooky Castle, Daphne enlists Scooby and Shaggy to go into the ride with her. She is not the only one that has this idea, and Velma and Fred are already there. Velma, like, spooks Daphne and says, I wanted to scare the patootie out of Daphne and, like, tickles her all, Tickles her. Freaking cute and shit. He's a lesbian. They must have had to cut so much, you know. <laughs> the editor
1: was exhausted.
0: <laughs> They're like, every time they look at each other, <laughs> have to cut it. How do, how many bad takes
1: am I going to have to use to get rid of their chemistry?
0: Yeah. So they plan on splitting up and Velma says, I was always picked last, like to Fred. And that just made my gay little heart sad.
1: I know. Velma is such a tender character in this movie, or as tender as we're allowed to get in the fucking Scooby-Doo universe.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to take this to too much of a serious place, but I would like to say, like, as (laughs) – Lizzie's laughing at me, but this is a point that, like, it's weird that it's coming up in the Scooby-Doo movie, but um, as a woman who, myself, I'm, like, clearly a lesbian, it's very interesting to see how men react to me because – it's very telling of how they react to all women in general because if they value you as like a sexual object, which is clearly Fred's intention with Daphne, then they're going to give you the time of day and then they're going to give you the attention. But if they square you away in this box of not going to fuck me, then they don't even treat you like a friend or like a person. So Velma says at one point, um, don't worry about it, Fred. I know you. All you care about is swimsuit models. He's very taken aback by this and does this very butch like, I'm a man of substance. Dorky chicks like you turn me on too. (laughs) It's
1: like, Fred, okay, look, we're not playing for the same team. Like, I'm going for the girls. You're going for the boys. We can work together. Yeah, it's like, stop
0: fighting. You're both gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. If only they got to that realization sooner. Um. So the ride gets turned on by the big baddies and they all scream and run in different directions. So it's go time, and all these motherfuckers need to get out of the scary, spooky castle. Um, before they do, uh, Daphne finds a weird relic, which we later learn is the Damon Ritus. And they all escape narrowly. And they <laughs> go back to the... How did they escape narrowly? I have to say it was narrow. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta pick a word. Um While studying the relic, Velma interacts with a hot, sensitive boy. Think love interest from Bring It On. Think Velma as a boy. Ig. Exactly. Give Lizzie an award. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the boy version of her. And he's cute. He doesn't say a word. No. Not a nothing. Nor should he. Nari
1: a whisper. (laughs) Yeah. We don't need it. We know he's there to placate the heteronormative execs up top.
0: Yeah, like they're forcing this straight shit on her, but to their credit, he does seem like the lesbian's choice of a man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Velma is given a drink by the bartender and she begins reminiscing about how they kicked Scrappy-Doo out of their gang a long time ago. But as she's reminiscing, she says, Daphne, oh, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And Fred, so handsome.
1: Uh, and just oh, by the way, I would would bone the the second one I said. Yeah. <laughs> he really knew how to accessorize. <laughs> <laughs> he used to let
0: me borrow pants when my skirts were in the wash. I think it's important to understand how they're like handling Velma's motivation. Is like every time they have any desire, it's Daphne, and then they just saddle Freddie right in there. Boom! It's like Fred. Boom! Also, for some reason, it's like what are we supposed to take away that she? Loves them both. She wants to be their friend. What? What is it? It's like a weird thruple thing for sure. Or maybe not a thruple, but a triangle. Though they,
1: I stand they would make an excellent trio. Yeah, it's very unclear. Like, we're just supposed to assume anytime there's, like, a man and woman on screen that they're, like, kind of attracted to each other. But in this, like, very not actual attraction way. Yeah. Like, at the end,
0: Daphne and fucking Fred kiss. There is no sparks. None. It actually made me go, ugh. And these people, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Geller, are still married to this day. <gasps> They're still married? They are still married. So they have chemistry, and we know it's there, but when it comes, like, on screen. It just feels so fucking weird. And so like Velma's reminiscing. She obviously has feelings for one or both of them. I believe it's one, but I think they're trying to imply that it's Freddie for some fucking reason. And she's getting a little tipsy and we get this scene, which was cut out of the the theatrical release. I'm going to show Lizzie now. After I show Lizzie this scene, I'll have her kind of describe what the scene is. And then I'm going to play it for you guys with the director's commentary. You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You'd be like heaven to touch Oh God, I want to hold you so much At long last, love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true can't take my eyes off of you. Da, 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 okay, Lizzie, would you describe that scene I just showed you? Really take your time. The nuance is important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In this scene,
0: Velma's having a drink at the
1: bar and she sees two people descend down the stairs coming towards her. One is Daphne, and then she spots Fred. They both approach her walking side by side and she sings her little lungs out to you're just too good to be true and... God damn, if they're not stringing us along, making us guess who the fuck she is singing to. And she gives a hell of a performance. I love a karaoke number in a movie. Mm -hmm. If you have not heard me talk about it, you may refer to our Skeleton Twins and our My Best Friends wedding episodes. Absolutely. For proof. A great scene. How dare. How dare they. How dare they. How dare they take it out.
0: And I'm going to show you the director's commentary in a bit. But in the scene, she sings can't take my eyes off of you and she points and we only see her head-on pointing at the camera and then they cut to Daphne and Fred stood right in front of her who the fuck is she pointing at and why is she singing this song to I guess both of them what the fuck is happening so I'm going to show you that scene again with the director's commentary and we'll hear a little bit about the goings-on
1: this was a scene that we that we cut uh, again it was uh story related it was a a moment in the movie where velma was uh acting a bit drunk even though the drinks were non-alcoholic and you know unfortunately it sort of stopped the story and uh what happens next is the creature appears in the window and scares scooby-doo so
0: i don't see how that would slow down the story so i want to just make it very plain and clear in this clip that you guys can find on youtube very readily velma sat at the bar with this man she's supposed to be mildly interested in. (laughs) She looks to over her shoulder and she sees Daphne coming down the stairs. She sees her, perks up, gets on the piano, starts singing the song, and that's when we see Fred. We know who it is. Yeah. And just like, why
1: would she bother to have such a problem with Fred's personality in that his personality being how self-absorbed he is, why would she then tell him, you're just too good to be true. I can't take my eyes off of you. Like she quit
0: the mystery gang because of him. Because she couldn't stand him. And at the end, if we're supposed to believe that they're supposed to be together, why are you saddling her with this straw man? And <laughs> why are you forcing Fred and Daphne to get together? The, the motivation there is just so clearly a fucking washed out version of what's clearly another story that they wanted to tell.
1: Yeah, it's just it just doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense we're pissed i'm fucking angry i'm mad this could have been such an iconic queer movie and we were robbed of that i like to imagine it in my head like it (laughs) yeah that's a really great deleted scene i'm glad we have that at least
0: yeah i yeah so after this very shortly after this a monster breaks into the lobby and takes fred velma and amanda various And we get a classic Scooby-Doo monster montage where it's like the farce. Everybody's running in different directions (laughs) and it's a lot of fun. Daphne, Shaggy, Scooby, and Mary Jane have escaped and it seems like the monsters have taken everyone else from the resort. The next day, it's as if everything is back to normal and Sugar Ray is there. (laughs) Okay. I was wondering who that was. Mark McGrath. (laughs) Dude, really serving it. I love the
1: cameos of these '90s movies. I love it. Do you know there was a budget, like in a line item in
0: the budget that was like cameo allow
1: for fucking Scooby Doo Two Sugar Ray? And I think
0: it's so funny because the soundtrack is so on point. But they're like whom from the soundtrack? Oh yeah, Sugar Ray. They would actually be on this island with all the fucking people who are there for spring break they'll be available to go to australia <laughs> absolutely all the brainwashed monster people start attacking and chasing them scooby and shaggy are running away from them on atvs and they pick up mary jane on the way and she gets hit by this branch and her like face falls off that part always scared me as a it's kid scary it's yeah. like really surprisingly good cgi she's like and she has to like fix her face oh it's freaky super creepy um scooby tells shaggy that mary jane is a monster shaggy doesn't Leave him and they get in that fist to cuff fight that I was telling you earlier, which Matthew Lillard <laughs> described as the most difficult thing he's ever done in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Poor um, guy. I just, it's also not a necessary scene. It's not necessary to the story.
1: Yeah, it kind of just slows down the action. Yeah,
0: so could have been cut. And yeah. Could have left some gay stuff in. Mm-hmm. Scooby falls into a hole and Shaggy goes in after him. Shaggy finds in this underground cave a vat of protoplasms, basically everybody's souls that have been snatched. And he sets free Velma, Fred, and Daphne and sends them to return to their bodies. There's a line from this section that I feel like I just want to work into my regular
1: uh, rotation, but it's. There's a, a line I have. I wonder if it's the same one. Like, Fred, you're a protoplasmic head. <laughs> I rewound it and watched that like three times. <laughs> you're like, W-w-w-w.
0: what? So funny. No, the line that I picked out, because me and my sisters would say this to each other all of the time. It's like, ing- and it's a nothing. It's a throwaway nothing. He picks up like the wrong person. And they go, thank you so much. You saved my life. <laughs> he goes sorry i'm looking for my
1: friends <laughs> drops it back you, you need an ally you can just let it go that's
0: fine Be so earnest you
1: saved me <laughs> just
0: drop them back in the bucket um and now we get the scene that made me the horniest people i would have to say this soul switching scene is <gasps> the most sexually charged of this whole i film. wish that, that sequence had been longer so good uh so freaking good I'm going to show you that clip now. Okay. All right. So in the next scene, every time you hear Daphne's voice, it's coming from Fred's body. And every time you hear Fred's voice, it's coming from Daphne's body.
1: Daphne, you okay? Yeah. But I'm not Daphne. Fred, I couldn't get to my body. I didn't know where else to go. I painted. It's not easy to steer when you're pure spirit. Hey, I can look at myself naked. Oh,
0: brother. Get your hands off me. Daphne? He planned this somehow, didn't he?
1: Hey,
0: good looking. Fred! You egocentric. Please tell me you
1: guys are you.
0: Red keeps touching me. Kind of All right.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. She's the man
0: ain't got shit on this sequence. No, they wish they could do this. Like putting all these gay people in other gay people's bodies and like forcing this like sexual nature of it for some reason. The gender fuckery of it
1: all is ripe. And also just like kudos to all these actors that each one of them made such... Strong individual character choices for their respective characters that they could easily translate, and another actor can just pick them up, like the way Linda carnellini stands, and and Freddie Prince like serving all these little like shakes and nods and hip thrusts, like it's so fucking funny.
0: They nail it. They do such a good job switching as each other, as as Lizzie was saying, and Fred when he enters the scene, you know he's being embodied by Daphne, and he's walking in a way (laughs) that I just thought Fred. It seemed like the most Fred to me. Yeah. Like, he's like pointing that little clutch bag. Yeah. And he's just like super – he seems really gay and true to himself. And, you know, he sees him, himself out of body and says like, hey, good looking. And yeah. we hear comments like that where he's like super self-involved. Um, but he like mentions – even at the beginning, he sees a guy dressed as him and he says, that's a good looking guy. We're supposed to believe it's because he loves himself. But I'm like, it's because he's a homosexual. <laughs> homosexual. Sexual. So, Lizzie. So, Sam? This is the scene where Velma and Daphne kiss.
1: (gasps) Wait. In the gender swap universe scene? Are they as each other? Mm Mm-hmm. What what motivates that? Let me... I mean, I'm glad you asked.
0: (laughs) When Sarah Michelle Gellar was talking about the on-screen kiss, she said, it took place initially in the soul-swapping scene. Velma and Daphne couldn't seem to get their souls back together in the woods. And so the way they found was to kiss, and their souls went back in proper alignment.
1: Well, like, Fraggy didn't have to kiss. (laughs)
0: Scrooby didn't
1: have to kiss.
0: (laughs) Make them all kiss. Or G. Orgy, orgy. Come on now. You're, you have to
1: kiss to make it better? Oh, let's try that. Let's try kissing. They're like, uh, they're like sitting at a restaurant. They're like, you know, the food is just taking forever to get here. Let's try kissing.
0: <laughs> it is not the solution to the problem. I mean, I'm happy to know that that's when it happened because I thought I was imagining things. So they filmed it. Mm-hmm. They filmed
1: it yeah, but it really slowed down the story. <laughs> yeah, we had to cut it for time, you know. <laughs> it was really fucking with the pacing. Uh, yeah. God, so fucking
0: gay. Um,
1: I feel like a phantom limb right now. I feel like that's like a memory I should have had, but it was taken away from me.
0: Yeah, like I can, I think I remember that. It was like, like a, a pseudo spender, thing. Yeah, of this like iconography in my
1: mind. I certainly couldn't have made that
0: up. And I think it's so telling. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. That is not a secret. I love Buffy so fucking much. But she has something. I was trying to describe it, but it's like there's a female gaze. There's a male gaze. I think she has both. Yeah. But I think she's always like, it seems like there's this theme in her work where she always seems to be paired with other women sexually. Like Buffy and Faith Mm -hmm. was basically canon. Cruel Intentions, Mm -hmm. canon. And then... In this film as well, like, she's written as, like, bisexual or, or lesbian, and then they have this on-screen kiss. She's probably going home to Freddie Prince Jr. and, like, what the, what is it about me? I mean, he, the same could be said of him, though. He doesn't kiss any boys ever.
1: He looks like he would.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. He does look like he would. He does look like he would, not I know what you did last summer as well. <sighs> Once in their proper bodies— Boom! <laughs> Sorry, I have to move along, <laughs> folks. They head to the beach where they find the voodoo guy, and he, des- he describes something called the dark apocalypse Ritual. Really rolls off the tongue. Dark know. <laughs> I wonder what that is. Um, where the monsters are planning to sacrifice Scooby's pure soul to complete the ritual. The gang bands back together to save Scooby, and they go back to this underground cave. And the ending's not really important. They, like, save the day, and all the bodies get put back in spirits, and it's all good. Yeah. Not before Freddie and Daphne had, like, the world's weirdest kiss.
1: Totally unmotivated because they barely worked together to make this happen. Like, Daphne was on her own little kick-ass karate adventure Mm -hmm. while they were trying to— Well, actually, while Fred was getting his ass handed to him by the baddies, so I I don't see how they even had to work together.
0: Even in that— I'm salty. (laughs) I'm pissed, too. In the soul switching (laughs) clip that I showed you, Daphne is, like— inadvertently getting sent into Freddy's body. And when she sees him, when her spirit sees him, she goes, ew.
1: Well, in what universe do they want
0: to touch at all? I think she would rather be alone. Yes, absolutely. They are not into each other. Those are not the vibes that they're sending each other at all.
1: Just give us Mary Jane and Shaggy. I have no problem with them them ending up together. There, we've had our hetero box
0: checked. Boom. That's plenty. Plenty. Yeah. (sighs) Boo! So we learn Scrappy Doo is like a bad guy. He did all of this. They fix it. Everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Velma finally gets credit for the plan, and the movie is over. So, so how do you feel now? Betrayed. <laughs> That's how I feel. I feel robbed. Robbeda. Robbed three syllables. Rob-da. Rob-da. I'm pissed. Come on now, like. I knew I wasn't imagining things. Children are very perceptive. Like,
1: how do they get to the point where it's in the script and then they film it and then it just gets dropped in the edit? Like, are they just, like, stringing them along? Like, does the screenwriter only have so much say in the process and then at a certain point in post they lose that say, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it
1: sounds like everyone
0: was on board. Yeah. The actors especially seem to take the motivation very seriously. Oh, absolutely. So, like, the writer said, like, it was in the script. Then it was ambiguous in the shooting and then it was completely gone in the release. And that's why the deleted scenes have like little mentions of it every yeah. here and then. But it's completely gone in the movie. If I would have seen the movie for the first time as a grown adult, I would have been really confused as to what the fuck was going on <laughs> with Velma <laughs> yeah. and Daphne and Fred. As a kid, I was just like, oh, eh, you know. Yeah, like I'm not trying to
1: assign, you know, labels to this. <laughs> God. Even just let them be like a throuple, weird throuple thing.
0: Yeah. No. Even just. Maybe in the future. Maybe we'll get like a live action canon lesbian Velma. But this film did fairly good for itself. With a budget of $84 million, it went on to make $275.7 at the box Jesus office. Jesus
1: Christ.
0: No surprise it was not a critical hit. I'm surprised critics would even watch a movie <laughs> called Scooby-Doo
1: what were you expecting you know what i was expecting okay lee brought this up while we were chilling earlier fucking scooby-doo and zombie island did you watch that shit no i've never seen that uh, what are you crazy that is the best scooby-doo thing that's ever been created it is gnarly it is dirty it is stanky it is scary it's like an actual scary movie for
0: kids movie or show movie cartoon
1: cartoon movie movie and it's probably gay. Girl, looking back, who the hell fucking ass knows? <laughs> but we should really watch that. Isn't Zombie Island Avery Island? Yeah. Because it's, it's set like in, in Tabasco land. Exactly. It's oh. set in South Louisiana too. It's pretty nice. awesome. Nice. We got to watch it. I'm sure there's some shit that we didn't pick up on as kids. I can't believe you never... Because you like scary stuff. And yeah. This was a movie, like if it came on at night, I would be... You'd be
0: scared. I would put on a lamp. I would still watch it, but... Oh, it slaps so hard. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I mean, this is, like, getting me back in my Scooby shit. I was always a Scooby fan, and (laughs) as I was mentioning, the critics didn't love it, but, like, I didn't make it for you. You know, like, it's not for critics.
1: I don't even, like, what critic is watching this, like, I'm expected to
0: say what now? (laughs) They want the Joker origin version. (laughs) Uh, okay, Lizzie, how do you feel about everything?
1: I feel like I have a question for you. Yeah. So who are you in the Scooby gang? I don't You're a what now? I'm Velma.
0: <laughs> it's hard to say that without sounding full of yourself. Like, I think I'm so smart. It's just like I don't think I'm any of the other characters. You're like a... <laughs> Shut up.
1: You're like a Velma Shaggy.
0: <laughs> I'm like a Velma Rising... <laughs> shaggy Shaggy moon moon. (laughs) and who are you um
1: i think i think i'm a shaggy daphne what i think i'm a shaggy daphne but like the worst parts of daphne like her being kind of stupid and really stubborn and then shaggy being like really nice and kind of stupid (laughs) that's me
0: yeah lizzie is really nice to everyone but me if i push <laughs> lizzie a little too far this bitch snaps
1: it's <laughs> true you're the only one i never had a little sister so it gotta be you What I'm about so Lee? Flattered. lee's like a
0: yeah i don't know what am i no you're you're very much you're like a fred i like a fred, fred velma. velma fred oh, velma yeah, I, that's say, you.
1: I feel like i yeah. I don't know how to describe it. You could be Velma for Halloween. That'd be so sweet. <laughs> That'd be sweet. so cute.
0: I can't see without my glasses. We wears my glasses, folks. <laughs> in this context. Okay. All right. Um, before we score this, I do want to show you a clip. All right. This is a clip of Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prinze Jr. describing why they like Scooby-Doo and why they wanted to be involved in this project. It. Is. Offered so much more than every other cartoon it was so ahead of its time it had a story They 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 worked hard to figure it out and it wasn't gender specific It wasn't a boy's cartoon or a girl's cartoon or any of those things. It was a talking dog You know what I mean? That was there wasn't anything cooler than that.
1: (laughs) It's the best cut. It's the best edit. That's the dog, editor, you know I mean? Do you think the editor, like, knowingly, like, had those clips pushed together? And those and people are was laughing his ass off
0: in the, in the edit bay. It's a talking dog. I don't know what's
1: more ridiculous. Like, Michelle fucking Geller pulling this shit out of her ass. Like, the metaphor, the, like, uh, and then him just being like, it's a talking dog, dude. It's to talking dog
0: it's like it's like so true to both of their characters like Daphne's (laughs) like well actually I think you know like trying to sound very serious (laughs) and then it's a talking dog
1: (laughs) how could you not like a talking dog man Uh, I live Uh, they're all so fire I live I live
0: (laughs) okay Lizzie explain the scores please
1: How the subtextual score works, my friends, is that we each score the film on a scale of one to ten on how gay is it and how good is it, and we average those together and get a single subtextual score. Hell yeah, we do. So Lizzie, Mm -hmm. how good is this film? It's not very good. Um, (laughs) Bitch.
0: But it's enjoyable. There's something to be said. There's something to be said about that. So it was a five for me. It's fine. I'm going to give this motherfucker an eight. An eight? I feel strongly.
1: That nostalgia.
0: It really it really factors in. Hey, oh, look. It's my score. I'm biased. And this did a lot of things for me.
1: <laughs> it sounds like it's currently still doing things to I, you. I get home real quick. <laughs> I'm just I've moved on. I'm totally over it.
0: Totally. Not feeling anything. It's a talking dog. <laughs> so Lizzie, how gay is this movie?
1: Not gay enough. Agreed. But gayer than I thought it was. Mm. It's a four.
0: How gay is it for you? Um, like hearing the behind the scenes, seeing the deleted scenes, learning about the characters' motivations, the actors that portrayed them, how they worked with the characters. I think that it was played so gay, mm-hmm. but we just couldn't see it. And I love that shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a six. All right. No. No. A five. A five. All right, you guys. That means the overall subtextual score sits at a 5.5. 5. All right, Lizzie. Don't
1: you dare ask me what I learned. <laughs> Don't you dare make me admit that I've been betrayed by my love, Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo, where are you? Scooby- How have you forsaken me? Scooby Doo. Where art thou? Is <laughs> the East, and Scooby Doo is it's the, the West. <laughs>
0: Shakespeare was gay too by the way yeah (laughs) no what if we just spun Scooby Doo and Shakespeare and we tied them together
1: we once made my English teacher so mad by convincing them that Shakespeare wasn't real we're like the works they don't add up they don't sound the same the voices are different Shakespeare wasn't real he screamed at us and stormed out this guy had had an anger problem
0: did he quit? (sighs) no Imagine going home you to your wife and ris- children, like slamming the door, slamming a briefcase sound. Like the children said that Shakespeare wasn't real. And- the
1: ninth graders <laughs> are bullying me again. Like, it's
0: all right, sweetie. It's
1: okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And then I had to go to chess club after those little shits kept
0: beating me. <laughs> Why would you torment someone like this? He tormented us. <laughs> Making children read Shakespeare is a crime. He made us read
1: Beowulf for six weeks.
0: Fuck, Beowulf. fuck the Canterbury Tales.
1: Fuck the Canterbury Tales! <sighs> <laughs>
0: Let children read Twilight. And <laughs> <laughs> Rice approves. Uh, all right, Lizzie. I've kept you here for far too long on the lore of the Ah, uh,
1: Yes, thine old Scoobert.
0: <laughs> How I love thee. Something tells me that we'll be returning to this text, so... Don't say goodbye forever.
1: Yeah, it's just a see you later, Scoob.
0: All right, Lizzie. You ready to go to Spooky Island? Let's go. Pack our bags. (laughs) Let's fucking go. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash pod. See you next week.